I don't know, I'm having issues here. Kyla Paris Radio. I'm going to start the show over again. I hope everyone's having a great day. I was just saying that uh, no matter what the weather is around you, uh, it depends on how you look at it, uh, whether it's a great day or not. And in New York, we've had some rainstorms to kind of cool down all this heat that we had. And I actually really enjoy both states. I, the heat wasn't so bad. I think it went up to about 85. And then with the rain and the storm or whatever, it cooled down. And I, I like I like both. I like all kinds of weather because then I can wear all kinds of different wardrobe changes. <laughs> anyway, I enjoy that. So the thing that I wanted to talk to you today about, and I know some of you probably are aware of the travails that I go through daily or whatever, you hear about it or whatever. And the thing I want to talk today about is endurance and meditation. I'm going to talk about that. Um, let's actually talk about the meditation part first because I think a lot of people have this idea, you know, probably because of the popularity of some new age uh, techniques and personalities or whatever, that we kind of have this theory that like, the only time that meditation is like lying in savasana or sitting with the cross legs and the positions and breathing and there's some people I'm sure just getting into those positions is stressful enough to actually be able to relax in them blows my mind but um, there are all sorts of meditations okay and um, if you're Christian because I, I have studied many styles, of approaches rather, to spirituality. And I always keep learning about different traditions. I don't know everything. But what's interesting to me is experiencing each one and then comparing what that is, what the nature of that is. Is very very interesting to me and everyone has we have so many privileges in this life and I think that the freedom to practice religion and as we know right now this is so big with the government and uh, wanting to take Christianity out and accepting a lot of things which could be seen as Satanism or whatever. Um, don't let the religion overshadow the benefit of spiritual practice. That is the most important thing. It's just important that you have a practice. You can. It's just semantics in how you're describing it, what vocabulary you're using. Some people say it's prayer. Prayer! You know, you better get on your knees and pray or whatever. And then some people are like, oh, it's visualization. Yeah, I go into this zone, I smoke pot, and I visualize, whatever, whatever. You know, all of these things are practices. And you are given a gift on every single day of your life. Like I said, no matter what the weather is, no matter what environment you're in, no matter what kind of 
you know, cruel, moronic, unbalanced people might be around you, you have the option to have a practice. And um, the first step in that is how we use our time. I've had a lot of people criticize me about how I use my time. And, I, and I've also had heard a lot of people um, that are very so strict in their spiritual practice that they're missing all the good stuff. And then they're teaching you to do that. And so that's another thing. Be careful who you follow. Um, and uh, if you read like a lot of the Chinese philosophers or the Asian, just Asian period, philosophers what is the point if you can do all this yogic stuff you know and yet you you don't have that that kind of uh like we say the beginner's mind and the joy and that freedom to just just be in that nap there's a natural state of joy and happiness and for me I know everybody has it, but just personally, I call that like my default state. That, um, you know, a lot of people, they don't understand necessarily when they see me go through different things, how I handle certain things. And they're like, oh, she's crying again. Oh, she's, how could she just go through that terrible thing and be rolling on the floor laughing, you know? And I say, look, look at children. In the Christian tradition, you know, we're taught that, that we should have the hearts of children because they don't hold on to it. They don't hold on to it. Whatever they feel in terms of the way that I am, I feel whatever I feel extremely intensely. And I'll tell you, I enjoy it because as a performer, it enables me to understand the nature of my feelings and understand the nature of my emotions. Many times, there are many people that are spending money that they don't have on psychologists uh, or putting themselves in situations to self-medicate or deal with other people that they think are helping them with issues. And I don't know how much luck that they're really having with that. When you really can go to this uh, there are different ways of experiencing your life that are quite insightful and can help you deal with things, uh, I would say, in a much easier way. You know, um, like I was saying to you, many people will say, how did you go through that? How did you go through all that and uh, get back up? Because here's the thing. The people with that kind of stern personality, so stern where, you know, you can't laugh around them. You can't really tell jokes around them. You know, they're so tight. Things have to be done this certain kind of way. It's rigidity. If you hold on just a second, I'll take the phone with me. What I realized that that's the, the term that I should be using is rigidity. It's fine to be on your grind and to have honor 
and integrity in what you're about and the standards with which you use. But when we get so caught up in even like, if you want to put it in music terms, so caught up in technique, so bogged down in it. Oh, every schwa has to be, it has to be pronounced like this. And, you know, the reason that we have the dedication is out of love. And love is not rigid. True love is not rigid. True love is fluid, right? So even in the relationship thing that I'm trying to figure out with, uh, I don't know if he's karmic, past life lover, what, however it is that you want to say with this person that I have this significant bond with and it's not going anywhere, whether I try to run away or whatever, we both have to deal with it. So it's not about, oh, they're in love again. Oh, they're fighting again. It's not about that at all. Um, I'm trying to stay on point here. So um, in dealing with uh, things like that, there's a certain constancy there. You know, there's a constancy of different elements that I'm having to, having to deal with consistently. And that is sometimes, unfortunately, betrayal. That is sometimes if you have a person that has addictions, you know, they might have an attitude. They might be any kind of which way. And that can happen in any relationship, you know, like his whole approach to everything and I'm not criticizing it I'm saying that it's just different from me and there are many people we all have different techniques and ways of living ways of living modes of living that work for us and our our natal chart does indicate a lot of these tendencies so his he has very strong Virgo very strong Taurus and Capricorn very much I'm going to do this work and I sit down and I do this and I do this in this certain way. And that works for him. But at the same time, that, that flow, and he does have a natural flow, but there's places in his life where he's needing to self-medicate because he's not in that natural default zone that I'm talking about. And that's when any type of rigidity comes in a belief system. And maybe some people would say to me, oh, you had a belief system in, in uh, a vow of poverty because you were a nun in your last life and you think you gotta live like that. No, I've really been thinking about that and looking at that as well in conversations with myself. I know there's some people like, when do you have time to have conversations with yourself? Because you're talking to us, then you're talking to yourself. You're listening. Hi, when are you doing this? I do a lot of things on many different levels. I'm always going. I'm always going. And yet, I, I also know how to rest. So, number one, we all have to understand that we're not as homogenized as the programmers would like us to be. We really are not. We all have different ways of doing the things that we do well. Many times, there are more than one answer to a question. 
And both techniques are absolutely right. But it depends on who's doing it. Like I, I, the first thing that I learned from a very good voice teacher was that never depend on a voice teacher. And even in, again, in the Asian tradition, and I'm going to go into it in specifics on another uh, show with the Asian philosophers that they say that this person is your guide. They're a guide. It's not that you are to copy what they do exactly verbatim, do everything they say and then you'll be good or oh I like the way Beyonce sings I'm going to study it so perfectly and I'm going to do exactly what she does and so then what have, what have you succeeded in really because there's only one her and then, then, then there's you and you haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what you do there's a way of learning ways of being from people that we follow and people that we look up to we must learn with discernment, what it is, how to adapt what we're learning so that it works best for us and let the rest go in a rather unemotional way, that type of detachment. You know, like a lot of people talk about uh, the new age thing is it's as if it's so negative that there's nothing positive that we can get from the new age movement. And I say, I say that's wrong. In the sense that the vocabulary and understanding how they explain certain things. I'm going to take it to voice again because that's my strongest area. That you could be trying to learn a specific skill. And you could have two teachers that are very, very good voice teachers, right? Both have world-renowned students. And you save up your money. And you'd go and you take a lesson and you're going to take the same piece and you're going to go to both these voice teachers. And you could go to one and work on the same aria and one, you maybe do things that you never did before. And the other, you're, you know, maybe the same way as you are, or you're not getting what it is that they're trying to say. And that's because everybody has not only a different physiology and a way of doing things, but they also have a different vocabulary and a different way of communication. You can have somebody that doesn't even have as great a voice as somebody else, but they communicate in such a way that it transcends that. And so when we're judging things and we're judging worth and we're judging quality, that is something that can't be discounted. The functionality of the person and what they do. And not just every single thing is a factor. The execution, the functionality, the technique, the natural gift. There's so many aspects to it, right? And we we get so tied up about practice. I practiced 80 hours and and then they play and they're like, oh, this person's a virtuoso because they practiced 80 hours. And I beg to differ on that. Practice is where your mind is. And it's, yes, there's a certain amount of time. Time is a factor. And um, I'm a person that when I was absolutely healthy, 
which I think I'm returning to now, I was able to execute, learn, and retain things at an extremely accelerated rate. And so when I went through a lot of stress and strife, emotionally, I expected to be able to process things as fast as I always did. And so when people say, well, why didn't she spend as much time? Because I know that I don't have to spend as much time because I can get to the nitty gritty, get down to it and do it, process it and do it. So I have dealt with the frustration of not functioning optimally and it's taken me a very long time to understand what were those things I mean I now I know what they are but let's let's get back into practice again um so like let's say my dad came in I think he was trying to be nice because he sees me chopping he sees me I've been cooking a lot recently um and Mother's Day was recent. Uh, and I don't know how many I, I told you. It wasn't like my mom was always cooking. She wasn't always cooking. But when she did cook, uh, once again, with the kids or with anyone observing somebody, it's not what you say to people. It's not what you say to somebody. Oh, I tell my kids to be like this. Da, 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 da. Yeah, but what do you do? Whatever you do, that's what your kids are going to absorb. So when I go to my default place, and that's what this talk is about, and I'm going to tell you right now that I definitely use my radio show to uh, organize my talks and my speeches that I'll be given, giving uh, as a public speaker. That is a career that I want to start imminently, um, but I'm preparing myself to enter it, you know, and I don't have the audacity to believe. I know I could get up and, and prepare something and do it and do it well, but I'm just developing my own way of doing things and how I want to speak and stuff like that. And that's what I'm talking. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is the heart of the matter is you could have somebody saying, what is she doing? She's chopping vegetables. She should be doing scales. She should be, I don't know what the hell they think I should be doing or whatever like that. And um, you have to know yourself and you have to know your abilities, okay? And so it's kind of like the karate kid. I'm just reminded about it because I keep seeing these commercials for this Cobra Kai on YouTube constantly. And do you remember when Daniel first went to Mr. Miyagi and Mr. Miyagi was having him wash cars? He was having him wash windows and stuff like that. And Daniel was like looking at these other kids that are learning all these techniques and they, they just seem to be getting so much more out of the other dojo or whatever. And Mr. Miyagi said, no, you're learning all those things. You're learning all those things, but you don't realize that you're learning. Not only are you learning, you're working on them. And it's in everything that we do, everything that we do, and how we learn how we do what we do, anything that we would do. 
I'm, I'm cutting these vegetables in this way. If you had these vegetables, you'd be cutting them a different way. And both ways are fine. And so my dad came in and he brought me this food processor. And I'm not saying I'm not going to use it. But I'm getting something out of this. What I'm doing. Which is practicing a, a type of mindfulness. Where I am getting such a clarity in doing this thing. And if you, you look at, I mean, look at Asian culture, look at the way that they do things, you'll see that there's intrinsically this value that, that they still have it. And I think that Easterners, excuse me, Westerners, could remind themselves of this, that we, you're not wasting time when you're in the moment engaging doing something. When, when you just sit, choose something that you can do, that you enjoy, or that has to be done, I say to do this little experiment, this little homework that I'm giving you. Choose something that you gotta get done. Like I gotta clean this house. And as smart as I am, as much as I know, I wasn't using my techniques that I use, which I feel are very, extremely successful. I was not applying any of it to cleaning this house or to cooking or to anything that I needed to do. I was so overwhelmed by everything in my life that I just, I don't know. I, I just was like, I don't even know. I can't even tell you. And then that tells you that I could have been a lot more mindful and so I went to my, uh, what was I just calling it? The, uh, the default place, just back to the basics of mindfulness and of what I'm doing. And I, I, went, I went back to everything that I saw my mom do when, when she was quiet. There were times when we would be in the kitchen and she would be cooking and not necessarily talking, just cooking. You know, I had aunts when I was, I'm, I remembered, I've always remembered. Um, I've always remembered my earliest memories where I didn't even know how to talk yet. But I, re- I remember what I saw and what I observed and what I learned when I couldn't talk, how people acted, how I was treated. That's why people that say, oh, I'll drag this baby to this movie and they're only two, they're only three, four, they won't remember remember it. They definitely, they definitely have it in their data banks if they become a mindful person. So at any rate, when I was, I was very, very little, I didn't talk. I mean, I, I think I could talk very early, but I didn't. I just used to watch people. Don't ask me. And they definitely thought I was weird, but whatever. I was watching people. So anyway, I was watching. And uh, they'd be cooking. I also didn't know these people. when I, My mom sent me to be around aunts and people that I didn't know, family members. I might have to break this into parts. My dad is coming. So we'll see if he's going to try to talk to me. But um, 
let's talk. I was there and I would observe my aunts and they'd be cooking, not saying anything. And I do believe that there was a spiritual practice going on. They were all pretty uh, involved in the church or whatever, but they would be just chopping the vegetables, cleaning. I'll be right back.